I'm in my car. I'm high as a kite. I'm listening to rock and roll. Action! And there's the chip. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Questioning McConaughey. My name is Danny Yao and with me as usual is... Bianca O'Neill. Hello. And welcome. This is our podcast where we will be revisiting the works of Matthew McConaughey. Just the best person the in the world. <laughs> just the romantic <laughs> comedies of Matthew McConaughey. No, interstellar bullshit. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, uh, this is our third episode of Bianca. Do you want to tell people which film we watched this week and are talking about today? We're talking about Failure to Launch with queen of all romantic comedy lovers, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, known from Sex and the City. Her famous role is Carrie. Uh, but she did start to get into movies after Sex and the City kind of um, grew because before that she was doing things like Hocus Pocus and being rightfully a witch. But uh, <laughs> this was when she was starting to do her rom-coms, the beginning of her rom-coms. I just feel really close to you. So where do you see us going? Oh, well, tonight I see us going back to my place. <laughs> Trip, as long as you're up, son. Oh, oh come on, Pop. You two have fun. You live with your parents? Is that a problem? His parents want him out. He's 35 years old. He still lives at home. That is not normal. I've lived upstairs since I was three. It's gonna take a stick of dynamite to get me out of my parents' house. And there's only one person for the job. I am a professional motivator. For many young men, self-esteem develops during a romantic relationship. Sarah Jessica Parker is one of those people like Philip Seymour Hoffman and things where it's just like... They have three names. Watching... <laughs> well, there's that. But, like, you'll be watching some random film from, like, the 90s and I'm like, oh, Sarah Jessica Parker's in there. Like, you know, she's just been around forever. Like, yeah. What's the one of... Like, she's an L.A. story from 1991 and things like that. Like... It's interesting to see her and stuff before Sex and the City because I feel like as soon as she went in Sex and the City, she started to get real hoity-toity. Whereas before that, she used to do, like, funny roles where she would take the piss out of herself, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I imagine... And look, let's just talk about this for a while because it's so important. Um, <laughs> I imagine her life got swallowed up by Sex and the City, right? When, it, when you're the star of a show like that... And like, people you know, are telling you you're a style icon when you didn't really dress yourself on it. So, like, are you a style icon if you're just wearing stuff that someone gave you to wear? Well, yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> who else is going to take that? But, um, yeah, so she kind of had that reputation. So when in Sarah Jessica Parker's career does this come? So Sex and the City had been off the air for quite a few, or just a couple of years when this movie came out, right? It wasn't yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't that long. I mean, uh, they did then start to talk about the delightful movies that came after that. Um, which was an interesting foray into the Middle East and and uh, <laughs> things like that. But <laughs> oh, yeah. um, sorry, uh, the, the Sex and the City movies was what yes. we were talking about. <laughs> yes, yeah, the, the Sex yeah. and the City movies because we couldn't get enough. Clearly, we had to have the movies later on when they were clearly like fifty years old and too old for this shit. Every so often, I still see a headline where they go, "There could still be a Sex and the City 3 because. That's what we need. Oh. Uh, and then there was also the Carrie Diaries. Oh, my God, there's so much we could talk about. But let's 
Let's talk about Matt. Let's talk about the film. Let's talk uh, about our star, our lover, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Let's get going. Well, the film is called Failure to Launch. Bianca, do you want to tell us why this film has this title? Yes. So this film is about something that apparently is exclusively blamed on Gen Y. And yet this movie was made in the 90s. So I'm a little confused because Gen Y were in their teens in the 90s. Uh, It's about kids who won't live home and their parents are getting annoyed. And, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey is a single guy, bachelor, who lives at home and um, his parents are getting a bit annoyed and they go to a barbecue with other parents who also have adult children at home and they find out that there's a woman who dates them in order to tell them how to uh, move out of home and give them the confidence to move out of home. Of course, they don't know that they've been bought and so, uh, you know, they move out of home of their own accord and then she heartbreakingly breaks up with them and then takes the money. So really she's a horrible person. <laughs> so um, how do you reckon one gets into this career? How does <laughs> <laughs> um, the internship start? It's a profession for women where you can become a partner just like all of the other movies we've watched, Danny. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It's another career that involves dating and love because that's what women do for their jobs. There's a lot of dating professionally for jobs in yes. this world that are, I'm in the wrong business. Have you noticed business. that like there's no rom-coms about like an accountant or like a lawyer? It's, there's no rom-coms about this. There's only rom-coms <laughs> about women who are in love and dating areas apparently confusing no because if you're a lawyer you end up being part of some sort of john grisham murder mystery and then that's (laughs) Um, so if you're a female lawyer you get murdered is what you're saying (laughs) yeah but you know usually you look like sandra bullock or something um so this is an actual it's a very interesting idea like you said it's nowadays it just seems standard especially in australia uh i know in the uk people have the same problem i assume in some of the more expensive parts of America where people don't move out. And I don't know, I was trying to find failure to launch seems to be a term that was made up for this film. Yeah, look, it's also a phenomenon I'm not entirely familiar with. I mean, I moved out of home when I was 18 um, and everyone else I know kind of moved out during uni. And I don't know if that's like maybe my experience, but what about you? Do you know people who live at home in their 30s and, you know... Yeah, he's never going to hear this. My brother lives at home. Oh, <laughs> my older okay. brother lives at home in his <laughs> okay. late 30s. Um, and, yeah, I know a couple, and I know a couple of people who live with their parents now, and it's, but I'm definitely know, I definitely know lots of 26, 27-year-olds. Like, I moved out when I was 18 as well. Um, Maybe my parents but... are just assholes, and they're like, <laughs> fuck off, out of our house. I think there's kind of like a strange ethnic thing of like just going, hey, you know, just get out of here. Like I've raised you. Um, Whereas, you know, proper Australian families maybe don't have that as much. But we're (laughs) jumping ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the film. So let's, our Matthew, Matty, Matt McConaughey, his name is, the the names in this film are fantastically terrible. Uh, The first one, Matt McConaughey, is Trip. 
Yeah. So. <laughs> and I do, I do have a note Trip. here and it was like, his name is Trip. No wonder he's a loser. I wrote down when I watched this movie. <laughs> that was my first comment. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if you name your child Trip, like, of course, they're going to stay at home and be a dick. Like, I feel like that's a prophetic name choice. It's a very American name, isn't it? There's no, there's, I've never met a Trip in my life. Uh, so, but tell us about Trip. Who is he? What's his MO? What does he do? Okay, so they give him a job in inverted commas, which is to <laughs> sell boats, I guess. Um... So, you know, he's he's at home, he's living at home, he's not really doing much, he's selling yachts every now and again, and apparently um, taking his dates to the yachts and pretending that he owns them, which is another thing in, in the movie. But I guess, yeah. like, the movie starts with, like, all the worst generalizations in the book, I feel. So guys don't settle down and women are obsessed with getting married from day one. So there's that opening scene where he's dating the girls and this is like his moniker. He's like, you know, I'm the guy who doesn't like settle down, you know, and he's talking to his mates about how, you know, when they try to talk about settling down, then he takes them home to his parents and they get freaked out that he lives with his parents and they run away and that's how he gets rid of them. Um, and you know, like on a side note, there's this like terrible bit where his dad walks in on them having sex. And then that's how, you know, the chick finds out that he lives at home and it's like, come on dad, as if you don't know he's having sex in his room, what a creep. I feel like his dad's in on it so that he can get a bit of a like visual or something. I don't know. I find (laughs) it's just not, there's something really creepy about that whole situation. If this is something he does all the time, why does he accidentally walk in on his son all the time? That's my question. That is a, that is a very good question. The parents and everything about them and their motivations are very strange in this film. Um, Yes. The motivations of everyone is strange in this film. Except for maybe, except for maybe Matt McConaughey. I mean, his motivations are really clear. In fact, I mean, and we'll talk about this later. By the end of it, I'm kind of like Matt McConaughey is the only guy. Well, Trip is the only guy in this film who acts like a normal person. It's like he gets everything he wants. Why the hell would he leave home? And then all these horrible things happen to him, and he's like, "Why didn't you just talk to me?" Anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is a good point. But so he goes on this date and we see his, his trick and his parents need... So his parents are the ones to... They're, they're the bad guys here. They're setting him up. Absolutely. I mean, I've got a few notes here. It's like she does his laundry. She folds it. She gives it to him. Um, she cooks for him, she cooks him breakfast every morning, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hello, one word, enabling. That's it. (laughs) You are enabling your son to stay at home. And also, on a side note, she'd be the worst mother-in-law. Can you imagine his expectations of what a woman would be? Like, he just wants, like, a woman who'll replace his mother, for sure. Like, as if that's not what he's looking for right now. Um, It's also worth pointing out at this point that I don't think they mention it in the film, but Matthew McConaughey at the time was 38 in the film. <laughs> so, you know why yeah. He looks all right for 38. I mean, I wouldn't have picked that, would you? 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's easier for men to get away with that. Like, I mean, George Clooney's like 87, but like, you know. Sexist. <laughs> Sexist pig. <laughs> so anyway, but, uh, we meet his friends as well. I mean, we've got to talk about his friends, yes. right? Oh, so, okay, so like, you know their names? I don't remember so, their names. I like that you've written this down. So, so Bradley Cooper's name is Demo. Oh, Demo. yes, I do know this. And Justin Barkley. So, A, Bradley Cooper is in this film. Academy Award winning Bradley Cooper. I assume he's won an Academy Award. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> and then Justin Bartha, i.e. the fourth guy from the Hangover films that no one remembers, the guy who disappears as Ace. So, yeah. Demo and demo Ace. And Ace. <laughs> yeah, of course they're fucking losers. But then I've also got on my notes like, ugh, Bradley Cooper, like this guy, like Matthew McConaughey trip, he would literally be the worst catch ever. Can you imagine what kind of douchebag would have Bradley Cooper as his best friend? Nay, Bradley Cooper named Demo. <laughs> So like, that's a great point. <laughs> how how <coughs> fucking bad is this friendship group right now? Oh. Matthew McConaughey and Bradley Cooper as yeah. two stay-at-home 30-something guys. Ugh, oh, it'd just be that's horrible. Right. I'm out straight away. Because they all do it, right? They're all stay-at-homes. and But, um, yeah, it, they don't seem like guys I want to hang out with. It's uh-huh. weird as well because it's like the biggest sell in this movie about how bad Trip is as a partner is that he lives at home. I'm sorry, like lives at home, fine, I can deal with that, fixer upper. But besties with Bradley Cooper, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I kind of feel like that they're not really playing on the worst bit about him. I mean, he's got a fucking Porsche for Christ's sakes. I'm in. I can get him to move out of home. That's not a problem. Can't get rid of Bradley Cooper though. I can't. I can't do that. And, like, nature Bradley Cooper, who, like, listens to the animals, it's, like, the worst version of Bradley Cooper that you can find. Can I, can I have a quick Bianca side note on, for, for the first time? Yes. Do you reckon Bradley Cooper should play Barry Manilow in a biopic? Barry Manilow? He looks like Barry Manilow. Does he? Look up the photo of Bradley Cooper and Barry Manilow. <laughs> they look very, very close together. Such a fucking douchebag. Like I can't I can't even. Anyway. So yes, his friends are douchebags and Yeah, I mean uh, his other friend is like played as like the geeky one who always falls over uh, and that and it's just it's kind of embarrassing for the guy. Like I kind of I feel like the director is like really onto this. Like he thinks that this is a hilarious thing, but then the guy who's playing it is a bit like reluctant. Like, really, is this a bit schlocky? And the director's like, "No, go for it. It's funny." And it's like, "No." But that is a good point as well. Like the whole nature thing. That's like a weird, like again, there's always something weird with these rom coms that I don't quite get how it got into the movie. But this is the one in this movie, and it's the animals don't like him thing yeah i don't understand that that, that seems like it's from it's, a different film it's that a weird like... slapstick edition yeah. that doesn't really gel with the rest of the movie like it, it goes to being caddyshack for a little while yes. <laughs> so weird it makes no sense like and then these like fake sort of like animal squirrel that bites his hand and, and the like, dolphin oh it's... And then, but like they use it as a plot point as well, which I guess maybe we'll get to in the end. But yeah, that is 
one of the worst parts of the film. So. Oh, so bad. Anyway, I guess we'd better get back on the point. So the parents, like, you know, we've been introduced to Trier, Peter, you know, he still lives at home, they, they're over it, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so they're at this barbecue with other parents. So, you know, like, yeah, right, as if they have a life, please. But whatever, I'll go along with this kind of idea that they go out for these barbecues all the time. <coughs> Sorry. So, uh, uh, while you're coughing, this scene I thought was, apart from being unrealistic, which I agree with you, was actually pretty funny. Just seeing these parents talk shit about their kids as a parent, it was pretty funny. I like the cameo of Bob's Burgers, Bob from Bob's Burgers. That's That was the most interesting thing for me, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as the creepy guy who's obsessed with his wife who apparently they're having sex now because their child moved out it's like please you haven't had sex in 40 years i don't think it's because your child hadn't moved out yet <laughs> i don't know who that is i've never seen bob's burgers i know i should oh you really should so you know it's it's the usual discussion it's like the boringest party ever of a bunch of old white people and their token black friend complaining about their kids still living at home it's like, grow some balls, you know, like, do you not have any say in this matter? It's so weird. It's like, if you don't want them to be at home, tell them to fucking move out. Like, why is this even a thing? Why are they standing around? Like, it's something they can't control. It's so annoying. It annoys me. All of these baby boomers who talk about their Gen Y kids who, oh, they won't move out of the house. It's like, what are you talking about? Tell them to move out. Kick them out. Like, why is this a thing? I'm so confused. Being, being a dad with a small child, the thing that I do fear the most is one day living again with a 19-year-old. Like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. No one wants to. 19-year-old in my house. I don't, I don't even have a my... kid and I don't want it to live in my house. So, yeah, so I totally agree with that. Um, so they take action and they hire this woman. Uh, yeah, well, okay, I've got one more thing to say about this party, though. It's like oh, okay. the oldies are like, oh, we got a tattoo and, oh, we're doing it eight times a week. And it's like, A, no, you're not, for one. You're not doing it eight times a week. No. And B, what has getting a tattoo on holiday got to do with your inability to kick your loser son out of the house? Like, you can still get a tattoo if your loser son lives at home. I don't understand what the connection is. This idea that they can't live their life because their child lives at home is so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, we, we look at Matt, we look at Trip, and he kind of, you know, does his own thing. Not like he... Uh... Apparently the only time he's at home is to have breakfast and have sex with someone he wants to break up with. So, I mean, that's not that often, is it? <laughs> well, it is Matthew McConaughey. It's Trip. It's a couple of weeks. Eight times a week. Um, so they take action, and... I don't know if I was not paying attention or not, but when we first meet Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, Paula, yeah. she, um, you don't know that that's what she's up to. I mean, we all know the premise of the film and do don't walk into one of these films without knowing the premise, but um, she, they have a lovely little moment in a, in a sofa shop. Yes. They're buying something. And, you know, they make plans to go on a date and then twist turns out that she's working for the parents yeah i mean i guess it's yet again this kind of idea that like you have to have a zany way of meeting someone for you to have a good relationship like what is with these rom-coms why can't people just like meet at work or something and then just go on a date (laughs) 
why does it always have to be some zany, like, out-of-control way that they've suddenly met each other? It's like, you know, it's like there's no men out there and you have to, like, start up a business to, like, get them out of their parents' house in order to meet someone to date. It's so stupid. Is, is, is sofa shopping really so far out of uh, craziness? Is that, is that what Tinder kids are doing today, meeting at sofa shops? Well, maybe. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm too old. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're shopping for a sofa with your parents, do you really want to talk to someone? It's so weird how his dad's like, oh, look over there. How hot's that chick? And he's like, oh, hey, hey, well, see you later, Dad. I'm going to look. <laughs> it's like, it's so weird that he's like, okay, bye, parents. I'm going to go pick up this chick. Uh, it's, I don't know. It is also weird how involved his parents are in all this, but the parents, what can we say? So They're going through so much money just to, like, they could just be like, hey, can you move out? I don't, I just don't understand why they would go through so much effort and money and cost when they could literally just be like, so, move out. Is it me? <laughs> it, do I just not understand white people? I'm confused. I mean, he also has the money too and, you know... Yeah, well, he's got a fucking Porsche. Of course he's got the money, too. Hello? He sells boats, you know, like, he's not... Yeah. Um, so then we get introduced to the girlfriend. So, you uh, know, Zoe Deschanel. Do you remember when she was still alt, but in a druggy way instead of a goody-two-shoes knitting way? That was awesome. I forgot. Okay, so, again, when in Zoe Deschanel's career is this? This is, this is actually quite late. No, it is, yeah, it's post-Elf, post-Hitchhikers, so she's kind of famous. But Elf, she was still, like, druggy alt. Do you know what I mean? Like, she wasn't knitting alt. Like, New yeah. Girl New Girl is so glebe, like, knitting, like, vintage outfits itch. And I just, I liked the pre-New Girl Zooey. I, I feel like now she's just not my friend, and I couldn't, I can't get on board with that. So when do you reckon... So what? Where on the scale of, um, let me say, Winona Ryder to Courtney Cox, um, is our <laughs> Zoe Deschanel? At this point, yeah. At, at this, this point, point, she's trying to be like mm, Winona plus ten, but she's okay. really being Courtney minus ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, she feels like she's in a different film, and when her plot develops. She actually has some very funny lines. Yeah, so. she's actually the funniest person in it, I feel. Because her mission is so great, because she just wants to kill a bird. Yeah, that's all she <laughs> wants in life, and she does not give a shit about Paula. Just She doesn't care. She really no. just honestly does not care. No. She And she drinks a lot, which I also like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we meet her. She's a housemate. Yeah, so we do. we meet her. Uh, but it's very quick and she mentions the bird situation, which, you know, is eventually how she finds her love later. But we'll talk about that. And then we go to um, kind of the, I guess, meeting between the parents and Paula about, you know, how this is going to go down. So mm. she tells the mum, you know, you've got to make things more difficult for him. And here are her examples. Here, her examples of how she's going to make things more difficult mm. for him are wash his own clothes and go and buy chips at the store. 
And I'm just like, what the fuck? I was making my own lunch at eight and cleaning three bathrooms for two dollars. Like, no fucking wonder he lives at home. Yeah, he's like he's... making it difficult for him. Like when he's sitting there playing video games with his mates and he's like, oh, we ran out of chips. And she's like, well, maybe you could go and get some. And they all pause like dramatically like a chipmunks. And, I'm, and they're like, what? We've got to go buy chips from the store. And then she's like, oh, and your laundry, your laundry's in the like bathroom. And so you should do it. Hey. And it's just like, What? And I'm like, no fucking wonder he lives at home, bitch. Like, of course. That is, that does sound quite sweet. Um, <laughs> she also sort of talks about, and look, this is a bit that I find a little bit interesting and I feel like they kind of gloss over. There's a bit later where um, she, she, she has a date with someone else, which is stupid. But like, here's where she's yes. talking about why he, or why these people stay at home. And it's like, so her mission is to build up their self-esteem, make them feel like someone loves them, and then she has these little things where it's like, we're going to emotionally bond over some tragedy and whatever, and then I will have it moved out by some date or some stupid thing. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was very interesting. That was like she was going, I'm going to make him feel better. And it doesn't quite work for Matthew McConaughey, but when Patton Oswalt, who plays the nerdy guy, yes. who comes in... That made more sense. Like, oh, yeah, of course, right? He's an insecure guy. And to have a beautiful woman pay him attention. Does it make more that. sense, though? Because I was just like, that's really fucking sad. The Star Wars guy is not going to take this breakup well. Like, this is no. going to be bad. <laughs> like, his parents have paid for her. Like, he's even like, oh, you're so much better than me. And then, like, he moves out of home and he's got nothing. And this chick just walks away with money. And she's like, fuck it, I'm out. Bye. Like, I just feel like this is really harsh. It's a fucking harsh job for her to do. Yeah, we don't talk about what happens when they've moved out and then they've been utterly crushed. And then the self-esteem <laughs> is all gone. And I guess at that point, the parents are... They don't care. They're like, I'm out. (laughs) I just said, anyway. They're covered in tattoos. I mean, I'll talk about this later where it's like, why didn't you just tell me? But anyway, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. (laughs) But um, so, yeah, like, you know, she goes, they go on their date, right? So they go on their first date. And it's like, again, with the perfect woman thing. Oh, she eats and she doesn't make a big deal about him pretending to own a boat. And then it's like, oh, she likes sports. And it's like, oh, I've got the the perfect woman thing again. And it's like this constant, like, reiteration of what women have to do in order to be, like, what men want. Yeah, can I can I tell you something slightly bitchy that happened to me the other day? Where it was uh, for the people listening to this in the far far future, this weekend past was both the rugby league and the AFL grand final, mm. and which I'm sure you know everything about Bianca. Everything um, because I'm the perfect woman, and <laughs> I know things about sports, and I eat steak. <laughs> well, it was similar to that. There was a there was a there was a there was a young woman sort of at the lights crossing the road with a with a Sydney Swan scarf, uh, and you know I made some comment about how long do you reckon she's been supporting the Swans? In which my partner said, as long as she's been dating her current boyfriend. 
Correct. And, and see, like... the only reason that I support the Swans is because I'm an asshole. Because my husband doesn't support the Swans, and so I just wanted to support the Swans to be like c- controversial and be like sucked in. My team's in the final, so I feel like that makes a perfect girlfriend. Like just trying to like break their heart, you know. <laughs> Follow the opposite team. Follow the opposite team just to be an asshole. Like that, that's the, that's a good, and hey, he fucking married me. I'm down. Take some tips from me, not these stupid (laughs) rom-coms. But you know, uh, you didn't, you didn't actually have any financial outlay in terms of buying what is a $180 scarf now. 180 bucks? Jesus. Sports merchandise is crazy. I went to Ellie Goulding last night and her tights were $45. I thought that was a bit steep. Yes, yeah. she was selling tights in the merch tights. store. Tight. <laughs> Ellie Goulding yeah. tights. Anyway, I digress. Speaking of Ellie Goulding tights, here they have another gay moment, of course, because every rom-com has to have a gay moment. And that's when he comments on her shoes and he goes, oh, oh, yes. oh great shoes. And she does a double take. But I was glad that they didn't go into it. Like they didn't be like, oh, you gay? But there was the bit in the barbecue earlier on where they already ticked that one off, where they were like, um, oh, my my son's a um, pilot and he stays at other people, like other pilots' houses. And all of the <laughs> all of the parents kind of look at each other like, ooh, like this. And it's like, um, guys, calm down. Like their son's a pilot. He's like making bank and flying around the world. And you're probably getting that awesome relative's discount that, that <laughs> airlines get. So 10% flying voucher. They don't care. Everyone else that. cares. I know. Uh, so, you know, another, like, repeated rom-com motif happens as well, which is, like, five days in and they're in love. It's so weird. It's like, why does this happen? Do these people not have jobs? Like, why does no one ever have to be at work? Like, I feel like they just go on like five dates in a row, day after day after day, but that no work gets in the way or any like other requirements of their life get in the way. They just have like weeks upon weeks of free time to date and (laughs) they like fall in love so quick. That that could be a very American thing. Americans date. That seems to be the only way to Americans go to a date restaurant. and don't have jobs. That's like yeah. an American thing. Um, anyway, on a side note, I did have a thought at this point where I was like, he's never really asked. Oh, he asked her what her job was. He was like, what, what's your job? And she's like, I oh. work, I work with like mentally challenged oh, children. Yes. <laughs> at the restaurant. Yes. <laughs> and then, but then she never goes to work. So, and he never brings it up. He's never like, don't you have to be at work or anything like that. And on a side note, it's like, how does this job work for her if she like starts dating someone or gets married? Like, I don't really, like, what's her game plan here? Like, she already gets caught out with Star Wars guy. Like, Mm. does she tell the person that she's dating that she dates people for her work or... Like I just feel like no guy would be on board with this. This is the this is sort of back to the wedding planner esque thing of um, these fictional jobs where you're so close to true love that you just fall in love sort of thing. So you know she's always going on these dates and being, you know, this two faced person I guess. And then she's like, oh, but 
twist on you. But you're, you're different. Yeah, yeah, you're this, different. This the if there's any guys help. listening, which I doubt, then <laughs> <laughs> you're you're probably not different if she tells you you're different. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so anyway, like five seconds later, like she thinks she's all over it and then he brings her home, right? And so yes. her parent, the parents pull her aside and go, mate, like he's going to break up with you. Like this isn't going well. And uh, her answer to that is sleeping with him. Awesome. Great answer to it. Like I, when this happened, I just went, great. This film is taking a wonderfully <laughs> crazy, messed up, psychologically, eternally damaging turn. I mean, so. I had a different reaction. A slight, <laughs> slightly different reaction. I was like, how does this work? Are you basically a hooker now? And yeah. are, are his parents paying for you to have sex with him? Yeah. At this, she doesn't give the money back at this point yet. Can I just no. say? No. And there's <laughs> this really disturbing moment where they're having sex upstairs and the parents are downstairs and the dad goes, I can look because I'm paying for it. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm and it was sure. too much for me at that point. I was just like, nah, this, this is the dad's definitely was creepily walking in on purpose on the earlier yeah, girls right. for shits. Don't you reckon? I, I've never heard that rule. If it's a bit like a 10 second on the floor <laughs> or something like that, that I've just If you pay for it, you can watch. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. So um, I'll need to look that up. But um, yeah, it is. That is the point in the film where I just, that it did come lose me a bit. Like this is just like, if these were real characters, then every single one of these people would be psychologically damaged and going to therapy after that incident. Good work, Paula. Just went and ruined the entire family. And I guess, like, in the end, and this is what I was bringing up before, like, Trip is actually, strangely, the only stable person in this entire fucking movie. Like, his parents are fucked up. His parents' friends are fucked up. His friends are fucked up. I mean, his friend doesn't tell him she's cheating, like she's probably cheating on him because he goes and blackmails her into making the Zooey Deschanel chick go on a date with him in order to not tell his best friend that she's cheating on him. And I'm just like, poor Trip. at this point. His parents have paid a chick to date him to kick him out of the house because they can't just tell him to move out. He's, one of his best friends is blackmailing the chick in order to get a date instead of telling his friend that she's off like dating other people like i kind of feel bad for him uh the the kid um the best friend the the kid zoe de chanel and ace the fourth guy from the hangover kit and ace um is quite strange and it's like there is a point where you go oh i see one is quirky the other one's quirky so they're going to be the quirky ones and it is, it is, there are so many films that do great best friend hookups. You know, again, we keep coming back to When Harry Met Sally, which has the greatest way that that's happened, that double date that they have. But this is just terrible. It's just, um, and then, like, it doesn't pay off anyway. Like, they shoot the bird and then everything changes and I don't get it. But um, Zoe Deschanel does have the best line at that point in the whole movie when she's trying to buy the gun. And she goes, 
I'm trying, and then she explains to the guy who thinks she wants to commit suicide. The whole scene, and the guy she's in the scene with, who's in like Hot Tub Time Machine, Rob Corddry, is hilarious because he's great. Yeah. And then he goes, You can't kill a mockingbird. He goes, Why not? He goes, First of all, there's that book to kill a mockingbird. And she goes, I'll take one of those. Yeah. And I just, he goes, It's not a how to guide, <laughs> <laughs> it's an American so classic. That, you know, that, that scene was also from a Bill Murray movie that I would have quite loved. But then they ruined it by doing the girl on girl like oh they're talking yeah. about orgasms and now i can't think and that's just so dumb yeah, it's dumb it. they ruined it and it's yeah. like oh so lame and so anyway we go into the into more of the usual schluck that these rom-coms wheel out every time which is like oh she loves sports and they're at the baseball and oh he loves kids nice. the he loves kids thing it's every time he loves kids and then she seems to um like paintball as well Oh, and she likes paintball and she wins it for them, even though she screams the whole time like a fucking moron. And, oh, he's not a loser. He just had a tragedy and he's such a good guy and she's oh. the worst. Oh, why did she think that? And it's just like, ugh. I died at so, this point. So, yeah, I, I died in this movie as well. But so let's let's get to the meat of it, which is... Is what the parents did okay? And then two, is what the parents did okay without saying, hey, by the way, his fiance died. That's yeah. part of why this is happening. What? So if you want to try to get him out of there, just keep that in mind. Oh, no, we don't... Not important, not important. No, no. But it also takes a really fucking depressing turn at this point. It's like, first of all, his fiance died and he's looking after his fiance's kid who's from another oh, dad or whatever. It's not even his kid. And then the mother is, like, scared to live alone with her husband. She doesn't even know if she wants to spend time with him alone. Like, it just gets really fucking dark for a second. I'm just like, fuck, this is depressing. This is not even a feel-good rom-com anymore. Like, I, no. I was, like, got to this point where I was just like, oh, my God, this is a sad, sad state of affairs. How did I get caught up in this? No, it is, um, yeah, the Kathy Baker... Kathy Bates, sorry, thing of like, I just don't want to be alone. I don't know how that means. It's like, that's no reason to keep him around. But, um, but yeah, the, that he's got, I don't know if it's a legitimate reason, but I just feel like someone should brought up, should have brought up the fact that, like, it's supposed to be a twist, but it just comes out of nowhere. And you go, why is everyone treating this guy like a dickhead then? Why is like, like, why doesn't his best friend tell him that he's been playing for a fool again, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it just Basically, everyone in the movie is an asshole except for Trip. This is what I'm saying. It's actually not a rom-com at all. It's like a bunch of assholes not treating someone very nicely. <laughs> I, <laughs> I also have one other question about this, which is, does that mean that Trip managed to have a relationship that developed so far that they were going to get married whilst living at home? Yeah, that's... there's that's not like explained though. Like maybe he moved back home, or I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really so make sense, thing. does it? It's a good point. I didn't think about that. There are there, there are plot holes. <laughs> <laughs> really? No. It's almost like the screenwriters didn't think that much about it. <laughs> it's almost like it's not a real fucking movie. I mean, seriously. 
So then yeah. there's this like really labored metaphor about a woman being a boat. That <laughs> kind that kind of disturbed me. <laughs> and yes, I like I was already sad, but then that kind of tipped me over the edge. And then it was yeah. like the woman is a boat metaphor wasn't enough for them, so they threw in the nature metaphor. And this is when we can talk about oh, this. He's he's not at one with nature. Oh my god. It just like so what is this guy's life? Is he just having just people just bite him and just shit on him in like just more concerning, the... what is Bradley Cooper's life? Like he he's like, Oh, the chipmunk, he's not a you're not at one with nature, dude. And so like the chipmunk wanted to bite you, dude. It's like how much oh. fucking weed is this guy smoking for one? And I don't know, how did he get out of this? You know how there's this point where they're like, oh, no, you're actually the only loser at home because, like, admittedly, like, the ace guy, he's like, no, I bought my house off my parents. I just didn't tell anyone. And, like, that I'm a really successful software guy and so I live in the basement until basically they cark it and then I'll take the house. I don't even have to pay inheritance tax. So it's, like, smart and also he's successful. He owns the house. He's actually a nice guy. He's letting his parents live there. But then how did Bradley Cooper's, like, guy get out of not being a loser? There's, like, this bit where he's like, and I'm just happy being at home, man. And it's just like, <laughs> what? No. <laughs> That's not. It's about acceptance of being a loser. It's like, <laughs> it's like yeah. a weird thing where he's just like, and that's why I'm not like you. And it's like, no, no, that wasn't explained enough. I feel like they just quickly needed to go, we can't solve all three of their problems. <laughs> so we just sort of like make it about trip. Um, terrible. But like the other thing I don't get is that, so what are we, sp- uh, maybe we'll talk about what we learned at the end of it, but it's just like, so if an animal ever bites you, it's because your love life's not doing very well. That's yeah, what I'm taking away from this. Uh, and then like, uh, and then when he like makes up his mind to be with her, then the animals like him again. And it's just so stupid. But anyway, I, I kind of like also like feel like this is not a good basis for a relationship. Like, why do they then turn around and go, actually, no, we should be together. Like, my parents paid you to date me, to kick me out of the house, and you lied to me for, like, five days or whatever it was. Yeah. Is this a good basis for a relationship? Like, why do they want to be together? I don't know why they're pursuing this. It just seems really odd. Well, it, it, again, it comes back to that first film we saw with the, the wedding planner, where they're just together for the sake of their being together. They had nothing in common, nothing that connected them, apart from Eminem, whatever. And yeah, this is just they're together for the sake of being together. It's not earned whatsoever. They have nothing in common, and they don't know anything about each other. Uh, it just seems stupid. So, And I, I yeah. do also have a note here, like, there's no music like ever, which I feel like makes a terrible movie. Yeah, I was thinking that too because obviously you know I'm such a big music guy, and I was listening out for it, and and then I looked up. There is a soundtrack, but it's used so. Scary. Has it got like two songs on it? Because <laughs> I feel like there's literally no, like even there's moments where you're expecting music to come in and it doesn't. 
There's there's uh, hit the road, Jack, because the dad sings hit the road tree. That's at the air very end. It's at the very end. There's like you... several points where they could have brought music in and they don't at all. They don't even have Zoe Deschanel just crack out a number for no reason, right? That's uh... yeah, which is her job, right? <laughs> <laughs> you have Zoe there. Just make her sing a song. She'll love it. <laughs> um, no, it does seem and. We're getting into sort of the wider feelings about this film now, but it like, you know, we've, we've seen three now. This feels as haphazardly put together as The Wedding Planner in that way. Like, they obviously didn't care. They didn't choose... Like, I'm looking at the soundtrack and it's like, This Guy's In Love With You by Burt Bacharach and Crazy Little Thing Called Love, which I'm sure was in the trailer of every film we've seen so far. And mm. it's just that thing of... So they've chosen the easy-to-clear, simple love songs that everyone knows... They've just put these two people together. Minimum effort. Minimum effort. Like, at least in 10 Things I Hate... No, I was saying 10 Things I Hate About You. How do I was a guy in 10 days? I really did feel like the characters, like, had some kind of, like, connection. Like, there was a genuine connection between them. You could believe that they would want to continue dating. In this one, I just didn't get that at all like sjp was wooden as an old duck and matthew mcconaughey was clearly not into her at all (laughs) (laughs) there is one thing on uh sarah jessica parker's parker's side which is when she finds out that he's had a tragedy in his life she takes pity on him and so it's pity love so that's good the basis of all good relationships (laughs) (laughs) um and let's let's just rush to the end. Like what? Oh uh, yeah. So here here is my conclusion for the end. Uh, they end on a boat. Uh, they have another animal. Oh, it didn't bite him. His life is okay now. The dolphin knows she's the right one. <sighs> Again, it just feels like we're in Caddyshack all of a sudden, right? And... The dolphin knows. The no one else knows, but the dolphin knows she's the right one. Sorry, we forgot we forgot one bit which actually I thought was actually genuinely funny was when Trip finds out and he uh, brings yeah. everyone together and his plan is for her to move in. That was really clever. I didn't see that coming. I was with the parents in that thing going, Oh, what's gonna happen here? And then when he did it I was like, That is an awesome dick move there, Trip. Uh, <laughs> I will be careful. He kinda deserves moves. it though. He deserves a dick move in this. I just like there's this actually there's another genuine moment which I quite liked, which is when he goes back home and his dad's got the naked room because his dad's a creep, obviously. Oh and, yeah, what the hell? And so he walks into the naked room and they have this like weird moment and then he goes, Why didn't you just tell me? And I was just like, Yeah. Like I was so on board <laughs> with that. Like I think out of all of the movie, the one thing to take away was that moment. Like why didn't you just tell me you wanted me to move out? And even his dad then doesn't really explain, you know? And I just thought that was a really, like, touching and sad moment, even though it didn't need mean to be, I guess. But maybe there could have been more emphasis put on that about, like, the relationship between parents and children and this idea that you don't want to hurt someone so you don't tell them something, but actually you should tell them something because you're going to hurt them anyway and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, maybe at some point when they started doing this film, that was part of it. Because there is something to mine in that, but they don't. They don't do it. 
they don't and dwell then, on it and they don't give it kind of really much time. Because the money went into creating an animatronic squirrel that bites. <laughs> yep. And making the dolphin at SeaWorld look like it was in the open sea. It is just, so, I mean, the thing that's really interesting about this film, the legacy of this film will be just the idea that people don't move out of home and we're seeing a generation of people who aren't moving out of home and can never afford to or, and I'm kind of leaning towards, you know, for some reason don't have the motivation to. I mean, there's plenty of new apartments being built in Sydney that people can afford to move out to. But, yeah, it just feels like accidentally you tapped into what would be a very big thing going forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the very least, the one takeaway, I mean, are we on takeaways yet? I feel like we're yeah. on take takeaways, yeah. okay? So the one huge and significant takeaway that I can get from this film is that any time an old person says, Gen Y doesn't move out of home, I'm just going to post a link to this movie and be like <laughs> circa 1996 <laughs> or whatever it was and be like, Oh, that's 2008. Boom. But it's not Gen Y. 2006, yeah. It's 2006. not. Matthew McConaughey is not Gen Y in it. And I'm just going to be like, boom, proof this existed, bitch. Like, I'm just uh, going to be going around posting, like, trailer links on every <laughs> comments board on the ABC that every, like, baby boomer's on going on about how Gen Y is, like, staying at home. I'm just be like, boom, boom, failure to launch. Boom, Matthew McConaughey was 37. Boom, he's not a Gen Y. <laughs> Yeah, it does feel like it's something that happens. There's, I don't know what to say about it other than... It's shit. It is shit. (laughs) It is shit. People should move out. And people should move out and find themselves and learn how to look after themselves. Because I don't know how, like, I don't know how we would be to be 26 right now. But imagine going out and dating and just, you know. The the, the funny thing is, there is actually, uh, in the Wikipedia article for this, movie there's like the wonderful at the bottom where they go see also and there's a bunch of links to this phenomenon in other countries and the big one is japan because japanese there's there's an actual real estate shortage and a huge like it's very expensive to live there in places like tokyo so there's a thing called a parasite single which is someone who lives with their parents beyond their late 20s and 30s and then you get things like love hotels where the only chance they have to hook up is to pay for one of these love hotels because they can't take each other back home to their parents' houses. So, But who was it in the Liberal Party who said there's a really simple solution to this, just get your parents to buy you a house? Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it old Turnbull or was it... Oh, I feel uh, like it's Turnbull. I feel like Turnbull it was, was Turnbull. See, he's all, he's all over it. He has the solution. Just get your parents to buy your house. What's your problem? Yeah, I know. What can do? <laughs> yeah, I wonder why my parents don't do that. I, I but, mean, uh, look, there is one other takeaway, and that is I would like to think that this this is what it is, and that is if you've got something to say to someone in your family, just fucking say it. Like don't hire someone at the cost of thousands of dollars to essentially be a hooker and have sex with them, convince them to move out of the home, and then reveal upon finding out that you have a dead fiancé that you should actually <laughs> – keep dating them but you know i guess that's the point right it's like 
talk yes. to your family and be honest and upfront and things will go better. Well, things that I learned from this film include making sure I give animals a chance to bite me as much as possible and they don't. <laughs> well, I'm on the it's right really horse. the only way you can tell. So if you're like, yeah, should I, I take this job or not? You should really just put your hand in a hole and see if someone something bites you and then that's your answer. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> there's no delusion there that the universe through animals is going to give me direction. Yeah. Um, really, my... really what comes from that is just a, a constant ethos of the dolphin knows. <laughs> the, do- the dolphin knows, Danny. <laughs> Uh, another takeaway is to just, and I think this is becoming a theme and it's something I really did know beforehand, which is just never in any way let your parents involved in your love life or sex life. There's just no reason. Just no. keep them as far away from that as possible. Well, um, I'm Italian, so that's a bit hard, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything else I've learned from the man's point of view? Just have dudes that I'd just like to, you know, go to rock climbing and playing tricks on all the time. I don't know. I also feel like the one lesson that we should probably learn is to stop watching rom-coms because they're shit. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) so uh, of the three films we've watched so far, how would you rank them? Would this be... This, look... Danny, this one's got me down and I'm really hoping that, like, next week you've got an amazing one for me. But you don't, do you? <laughs> well, next time, well, next time we're going we're gonna to have the fourth film in our little Matthew McConaughey festival, which is uh, Fool's Gold. Uh, yes. The I'm shitty man's version of How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. Because <laughs> it is... Because I don't think we've talked about this part of it either, but at least up to this point, all these films have been massively financially successful. Like, massively so. This was film, Failure to Launch successful? Well, this film cost $50 million to make. I don't know where that $50 million went. But it made <laughs> CGI squirrels. It made $130 million. Yeah, the CGI squirrels. The, the CGI squirrels go at 25 mil a pop, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's like, that's a half a Marvel film, but $130 million it made. So it made $70 million profit. Mm. Um, but do you reckon, and... what do you reckon Matthew McConaughey's payday here was? I mean, and this is SJP post Sex in the City. I reckon yeah. that's mostly both of their salaries, surely. Yeah. So if it's a $50 million budget, I imagine they're both close to 10 each, right? Surely. Maybe him even a bit more. Yeah. I mean, there was talk the other day that... You know, women um, not getting equal pay and all that, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this was, this was a, a different time. I mean, there was talk the other day that Daniel Craig was offered something ridiculous for two James Bond films, like $100 million. Yeah, but at least no. he does something a bit more than, like, wrestles with a CGI squirrel. Come on, he has to do training and shit. Matthew McConaughey just looks over and goes, all right, and then, like... Gets his kid off every now and again. I mean, come on. How hard is this? You don't, you don't reckon Matthew McConaughey did his own rock climbing stunts in this film? <laughs> he definitely did his own <laughs> rock climbing stunts. In he requested uh, a rock climbing scene, I'm pretty sure. But, yeah, for me, it's definitely, you know, the bottom end. Probably not as bad as The Wedding Planner. But we will see next week when we talk about Fool's Gold.
I anticipate sure. you're going to really, really not like Fool's Gold. <laughs> <laughs> It looks interesting. It looks like... Just f- focus on Kate Hudson's bikini body. Just focus. <laughs> but it looks like there's a bit of... Uh, look, I mean, nothing is it, but, you know, it looks like there's a bit of action in this in the next one. So, oh, there's some tomfoolery. Don't you worry. <laughs> I wasn't looking for tomfoolery. <laughs> Hashtag tomfoolery. Well, look, not much more to say about that film, really, except we're excited to see Fool's Gold. Bianca, you want to let people know where they can find more of your work on the internet? Yes, you can head to thesecondroad.com.au or uh, Instagram or Twitter at underscore the second row. And you, Danny? And you can find you can find me at yowami on Twitter or Instagram y a u a m i. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I've got other podcasts and more fun stuff. And and we also yeah, have a Twitter for this podcast too, don't uh, we, Danny? We don't often go on it, but there yes, is one. Questioning... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Questioning McSee, and you can, you can contact us at questioningmcsee at gmail. And yeah, we should we should post more stuff on it. I'll, I'll maybe post more stuff on it this week. There's so, plenty of McConaughey news that we can bust out on that channel. Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.